good evening. It's good to have uh, each and every one of you here with us tonight. Um, don't you love answered prayer? I love answered prayer. I tell you, it's always such a, a blessing. It's good to see Mandy here tonight without her cart. And she walked in like a regular person. That's a, that's a great deal, man. Rather than scooting around. I was watching one of those guys on a scooter. And it was really funny. He took about two pushes and then held his leg up. And he just steering. So, you know, that would be fun, I guess, going down the hill after church. Maybe we could sell rides or something like that. I remember one of the, one of the young men had a ripcord. Isn't that right, Brother Stephen? And he rode it down the hill. Uh, he lived, too. That's, a, that's amazing. Anyhow, it's good to have uh, Brother Larry and Miss Barbara home. We've been praying for them. They battled through sickness, pneumonia, all the stuff that went with that. Then they went to Colorado. He's telling me they got a lot of snow out there, so I'm looking to get out there sometime. No, I'm teasing. But it's good to have them home. And then I failed to mention this, and I apologize, but um, on February 22nd of this year, when we made our building payment, our balance was $398,264. Is that a hallelujah or what? I tell you, praise the Lord. And it'd be great if by the end of the year we were close to that $200,000 number. And uh, God can do it. He's just an amazing God. Uh, it's just numbers to him. Like my wife, she goes, you know, our, our loan got so high it just became numbers on paper. And uh, it wasn't like that in my heart, but it was like that in her heart. And uh, that made it manageable for her, so praise the Lord for that. Well, we're excited about our missions conference, and uh, I'm going to have a word of prayer. We'll have Brother Charlie come, and uh, then we'll get it kicked off. It is good to have you here. By the way, thank you for praying for the Zeke family. Uh, many of you know uh, my first Timothy in the ministry uh, passed away uh, very unexpectedly. They were still in the process of getting all his cancer di- diagnosed and uh, they kind of pronounced um, uh, what they thought the cancer was two days later. He was dead. And so I booked a flight to go uh, be with the family and speak at his service. And so I'll be gone Friday and Saturday, uh, but I'll be back on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to hearing great things about what happens here Friday night and Saturday night. Um, but uh, pray for the Zeeks. You know, we talked to Don and she was just a muddle of tears the whole time we talked and some of you have experienced that you know what that's like those early days of having lost your life mate and um, so if you would pray for them just pray that I'll have uh, wisdom to um, express how great a God we serve even in the midst of tragedy he's still a great and awesome God amen let's pray Lord I love you tonight and I thank you for your many blessings to us. Such a good God. You bless us in so many ways. Just like the reduction of our debt. And we thank you for that. And I thank you that consistently and systematically it's been reduced. And Lord, we realize that if we'd never bought the house, we'd almost be done. But God, you bless us even in that. What a blessing the house has been. So, Lord, uh, we want to thank you for the fact that you love us and care for us and supply for us. We want to thank you, God, for our missions conference. We're excited about what you're going to do. We're excited about the three young couples that are with us. And, Lord, we pray that this week would be about you and about what you want to do in our lives and in our hearts. And undoubtedly, we have members who have been a part of Faith Promise Missions for years Years and years been a part of Faith Promise Missions. And Lord, they've seen the results. They've seen the blessings of God upon their life. And, and to hear of the many thousands of souls that are saved year by year, Lord, uh, we just rejoice at that. And yet there's probably some here that have never had a part in Faith Promise Missions. And God, I pray that even now you would challenge their hearts and challenge our hearts afresh and anew. And Lord, might this be the best year that we've given to missions, and might we look forward to doing some great and mighty things for your glory, because we realize that our time on this earth is short, and you're coming soon. Lord, help us to be prepared to do what you would lead us to do. 
And then thank you for answered prayer. Thank you that Miss Mandy's here tonight without that little scooter. Thank you for the summers being back uh, safely with us. We rejoice at that. And Lord, uh, pray that you would be continue to be at the Zeke family and bless them and lead in their lives. Meet with us. Be honored and glorified through this evening. We love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Brother Charlie. Let's all stand and take your hymn. Let's turn to hymn number 374. Send the light. We're going to sing the first and the second verse. Awesome. I want to introduce to you Brother Jack Parker. Uh, if he'd go ahead and come on up, Brother Jack. Uh, Brother Jack is headed to Japan. They just got back uh, from a survey trip, and uh, he's still at that point where he's working a job, still has a staff position at his church, and uh, able to come and be with us. Uh, it won't be long, though. As he continues to raise support, he'll be able to get on the road full time. Uh, but this is one of our guys that we grew up watching him grow up, and uh, just a little guy. And by the way, this is Laura Romo, Romo's uh, brother. Uh, Laura and her husband come to church here. And uh, so we just had an opportunity to watch uh, Brother Jack grow up. He was one of Miss Cindy's piano students, if I remember that right. And uh, then uh, his wife, uh, Liz, is from down in uh, Iola. And uh, we got to watch her grow up also. And you see these two kids find each other. And they were like starstruck for years. And finally, you know, they got of age where they could marry. And now they got kids of their own. And now they're headed to Japan. And so I wanted to be a part, you know, a young couple going out serving God. I wanted us to have a part in that. And uh, so uh, Brother Jack's going to come give a short testimony. And then we'll see his slides, okay? Amen. When he said uh, he watched me grow up, he didn't mean literally. Uh, this, is, uh, this is impressive. But uh, no, we're sure thankful to be here tonight. Uh, thank you all for having us. Thank you, Brother Metzinger. Uh, definitely a long, long time getting to come here for, for youth rallies and activities. And uh, sure blessing now to, to be on this side, to get to present uh, as a missionary, um, as he mentioned, my name is Brother Jack Parker. Uh, my wife Lizzie uh, is up here. Our kiddos, uh, Jalen and Jason, are in the nursery. Uh, she's two, and then he's one. Uh, if you haven't heard them yet, you will. Uh, they're they're <laughs> they get a little excited, um, but no, we're sure thankful to get to be here and be a part of it. Um, I grew up uh, going there just down the road at Faith Baptist in Olathe. Uh, I was saved actually in the Christian school, uh, which has been. Uh, is celebrating, um, I believe, 50 years this year is the 50th anniversary of the school being there. And I got saved there um, back in 2004. I was seven years old and got saved there at school. And then the Lord called me to preach at Camp Sagmont in 2012 uh, and went to Heartland after that. And uh, I've been asked the question many times, why Japan? And as I look back through my life and just how the Lord really brought me up and challenged me, I can say it's always been Japan. The, the, the interest I had in the, the country's history, uh, the Lord turned that into a burden for its people. And as you'll see here in our video in just a moment, it's a very lost and needy people. 
Um, it's a very different place from here. We were, it's fresh in my mind. We just were there for a couple weeks, and to, we, we hear so much preaching and, and talking about the, the fields that are white unto harvest, and to rub shoulder to shoulder with the people in those fields was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. To, to see them, to, to ride the train with them, to, to see them live day in and day out, just going through life with no knowledge whatsoever of the one true God who, who loves them, who sent his son to die on the cross and shed his blood for, to pay for their sins. They have no knowledge of him whatsoever. Um, you'll see that there are very high suicide rates, which is something that isn't popular to talk about, but it's a fact. It's a, it's a sad, tragic fact. Um, it's a very slow to trust people, but that doesn't mean it's impossible because there's nothing too impossible for our God. Right. And it might seem impossible or, or too difficult in man's point of view or man's perspective, but, uh, and I could go into story after story about how he, he got us there for our survey trip, um, and the Lord's capable, and we're sure excited about uh, what he's doing and excited to get on the road. This is church number six and our, our first missions conference. Uh, officially. So we're thankful that y'all were willing to have us in when we're still no, new at this and have no idea what we're doing. Uh, but it's a blessing. Uh, so I guess at this time, if you're ready to show our video, we'll take a look at that. Thank you. Japan. Japan is a beautiful country in East Asia full of rich history. A total of 6,852 islands form the Japanese archipelago. Japan is part of the Ring of Fire, with 110 active volcanoes, 47 of them being monitored constantly. Mountains occupy over 80% of Japan's landmass, including the famous Mount Fuji, resulting in some of the most densely populated cities in the world. It is a country slightly smaller than the state of California, but containing roughly three and a half times the population. While the scenery and architecture are breathtakingly beautiful, Japan's truest beauty is its people. They possess a huge focus on integrity, respect, and honor, and a strong work ethic defines the fabric of society. It is also within the top 10 safest countries. As a whole, Japan is one of the most technologically advanced countries in the world but its people are still holding to many of the traditions and rituals of the past. Namely, the hold of idolatry that has been in Japan since its beginning. Generations have been lost worshipping false idols because they do not know the truth. million. That's the number of people who will more than likely be born, live, and die without hearing a presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The two main religions are Shinto and Buddhism, which Japanese people often practice simultaneously. These two beliefs influence every aspect of the Japanese culture, and rejecting them can often have extreme costs. There are over 8 million kami or gods that are worshipped in Shintoism, a religion that originated in Japan. While Buddhists believe that the human life is one of suffering and that meditation, spiritual and physical labor, as well as good behavior, are the ways to achieve enlightenment. When a Japanese person accepts Christ, he is turning his back on his entire family, past and present. Japan is a nation rich in culture, consumed with perfection, led by tradition, and motivated by fear and shame. They are looking for a purpose in life, but statistically speaking, few will receive it. They live without the hope, joy, and peace of Christ. Many Christians have given up on the field of Japan due to its difficulty and magnitude. Some would even call the task impossible. Matthew 19.26 says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Praise the Lord. 
The gospel isn't limited. They can be reached. They can have hope, joy, and peace, and understand that there's no greater life than one lived for the one true God. We are the Parker family, Jack, Lizzie, Jalen, and Jason. We are sent out of Faith Baptist Church in Olathe, Kansas, Pastor Wes Stewart, to help share the risen Savior in the land of the rising sun. Our initial goals include learning the language and serving with a pre-established work while we learn the culture and develop relationships. Once we are able to speak the language, our goal is to spread the gospel, disciple and counsel converts, plant churches, taking Jesus to the Japanese people. We plan to build a life in Japan and are seeking permanent residency. Please pray with us as by God's grace, we endeavor to accomplish these goals. Brother Jack, uh, that we would allow five questions, and I know that uh, you, as a church, that we like questions, and so I didn't see a lot of automobiles. I'll take one of them. I didn't see a lot of automobiles. Are there a lot of automobiles? In- Very tight. Okay. Why don't you come on up? Next question. Yes, We will be up in Hokkaido, which is the northernmost part of Japan, and the largest city up there is Sapporo, uh, and that's where uh, we were at for our survey trip there for a couple of weeks. So it's very cold. They have probably about 30 feet of snow that they're buried under right now. That's, that's when he wants to come visit. Most folks, they say, we'll come in the summer. Of going to the the bathroom. <laughs> oh well, I didn't see that when I was there. Uh, actually, uh, I think America could learn a thing or two about their bathrooms. Their bathrooms are really nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and Lord, Lord willing, we'll get to preach a little bit about that tomorrow. But yeah, um, I don't know if everybody can hear, but the the way that I found to explain it is, you know, over here we have so many people who, you know, oh, what religion are you? Oh, I'm Catholic. I'm a Christian. I'm a Presbyterian. We have different denominations. All these things that that doesn't really exist in Japan. Just you're Japanese. To be Japanese is to be Shinto and Buddhist. It's just a part of who you are from the time you're born until the time you die. That is who you are. And the, the, the pressure to conform to that and to, to never question that is beyond anything that mo- most of us would ever understand. So for, for a Japanese person to accept Christ is to turn away from everything they've been raised to believe, everything that their, their family believes in, they, they've counted the cost, and they recognize that they're, they're putting aside everything they've ever known to choose Jesus Christ. In a lot of, like, there tends to be a lot of You don't see that there, like they're still very dedicated to their, it's not like there's a lot of, there's a growing secular, or, um, yeah, like atheistic, or, you know, just not really believe anything population, it's still very firmly religious. Sure, yeah, the, the, the traditionalism is, it's got its roots deep, uh, and it's very much just a part of everyday life, and, and you're, you're brought up to, you just don't question it. You don't ask questions. You don't, you don't think for yourself. You know, here, if we see something on TV or a government official says something, we're like, well, I don't trust that guy. 
Weatherman said it was going to rain. It didn't rain. I, I now have trust issues. Over there, you know, if one person says this, okay, they just go with it. So they, they've never thought about it. They would have never thought that there was anything else. And it, that's, it's so hard to, to break down the, those barriers to get them to, to start thinking and to, to recognize that, you know, this isn't working. What, why am I unhappy? Why do I not have hope? And there is no hope without Christ. Uh, it was actually very similar to the younger generation and them being so technological mm-hmm. um, and social media. They're, the, that younger generation questioning or looking elsewhere. So the younger generation uh, is starting to, um, and especially that's why so much focus is on a place like Sapporo, uh, the bigger city. It's full of younger people who were leaving the, the small country village that they were raised in to to get away. They're, they're starting to think different. They were willing to take that first step to move away from mom and dad, and they're starting to think more to the, for themselves. So there, there is a little, a little way you can start to, to chip away and to, to help reach that younger generation. So they're, yeah, good, good thought, good question. Thank you. And so uh, I was thinking, uh, as I was looking over our missionaries, um, by the time we take the Parkers on, we'll have five missionaries in Japan. And I'm like, wow, five missionaries in, in that little country. But then when he puts the population stats up, uh, they need more, right? And so um, he was actually there, and they actually were with the Evans, uh, who were the first missionaries we supported uh, there in Japan. And uh, that was uh, Mrs. Walker's son-in-law and daughter. And uh, we took them on, and then uh, we had, um, help me, Walters. The Walters went, uh, and they went to uh, one part of Japan, and now they've moved to be with the Evans. And then we had the Gardeners that went, um, and they're not with the Evans. And then we had uh, Evans' daughter, Mary, and so we took her and her husband on, Uh, as missionaries and now the Parkers when they go to work uh, there they're thinking about leaning towards working with the Evans family so the Evans family's been a good investment for us Um, brother Parker was sharing with me before services that uh, brother Evans says we're the only church in America that supports them and so uh, that's pretty interesting you know his background is from Australia and so uh, that's pretty interesting glad to be Able to be a part of missionaries around the world. Amen. Brother Charlie's going to come and lead us in another song. Lord bless you. Let's stand. Let's take your hymnals. Turn to hymn number 384. 384. In the service of the King. Verse of the second verse.
desires be overshadowed as I recall the purpose of that place. Lord, hide me behind the cross where my gates become as lost and only your glory is in view. Your power will be revealed the more that I am concealed. Hide me behind the cross so the world sees only you. If I relied on my strength to be a source of hope to those in need, the only profit I would gain would be the empty honor of your death. But with all of self behind the cross, the splendor of your love stands free to shine, illuminating with your power so so you alone are glorified lord hide me We're going to have uh, one more song, uh, and then I'm going to go ahead and have Brother Charles come up here uh, to set in the hot seat to get ready to preach, and then uh, the Scuffums are going to come sing for us. Uh, this is Brother Joel and Miss Valerie, and uh, Brother Joel, uh, his dad pastors the First Baptist uh, Missions Church uh, in Mission, Kansas, and uh, watched him grow up also. This is going to be Young Guns, Okay. Uh, haven't been to the field yet other than take a survey trip, uh, but they're off and running uh, across the country, raising support. I'm glad that we can have a part uh, in their ministry. And uh, so they're going to sing for us, and then I'll come back and introduce uh, this guy up here who's going to preach for us.
there's someone here who's willing now to listen to God's call? Will you be that one to lead the way and reach America for God? Go make a difference in filled with souls, lost and in their sin, a thousand cities in view that are waiting for you, make a difference in this world. I'll make a difference in this land I'm living in, Lord, I'm willing to go. Has not been on the horizon. I see people calling to me. I'll make a difference in this world. On the horizon, I see people calling to me. Praise the Lord. It's uh, good to have the Marinos back when I started putting this together. About a year ago, um, I had uh, Brother Dave Schaefer was actually, I, I guess I scheduled him about a year and a half ago. And uh, he, he contacted me about six months ago and he said, uh, hey brother, I've got someone that's paid my way so I can go to Israel and uh, I just want to know, will you let me out of my commitment to come and to be uh, with you at the missions conference. And at first I said, well, I think that you ought to just change. Let me go in your stead and you just come here. No, I didn't. But uh, I said, sure, brother, you go right ahead. And uh, so uh, then we had this big hole, right? And uh, Brother Chuck and I, are, I'm like, I don't know what God's doing. He, he'll, he'll bring somebody, right? And then, you know, God started working in Chuck's life and it was just such an amazing thing to watch how God did all that he did in their lives and how quickly he did it. And then it just made sense. I know why I have this hole. It's because the Marinos need to be here uh, with us. And so and it's good to have Miss Crystal and the girls and, uh, you know, Charlotte. Last night when I went to pick them up at the airport, it was like one of my grandkids. Preacher, preacher. And she comes running, you know, and it was just so precious. And... Uh, that's the way we view them still. They're our kids, and uh, we're thankful for what they're doing in California, although they've only been there a short time, so I don't know if you have any great stories you want to share or anything like that, but uh, we love you, and we pray for you regularly. Brother, you come and preach. All right, if you would please turn to Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10 is great to be back, and uh, so grateful to be um, on this side of it, a different experience than, uh, although I did get to experience a little bit of both sides, I guess, uh, we reserved our hotel for us <laughs> to come back here uh, So uh, before we left, and uh, so got both sides of it in one trip, uh, but uh, so glad to see all of you, and uh, so glad to be back, and, um, and uh, we'll share a little bit more, uh, I think Friday night I'll have some pictures, and um, a few pictures, not very many, uh, but uh, a couple of testimonies. We've had a couple of visitors that have come, uh, but we're uh, as soon as we get back, we're going to kick up our uh, our evangelism efforts and try to try to see the church grow. And so uh, excited to uh, excited to get into that. All right, Mark chapter number ten and verse number thirteen, if you would please, and we'll stand together. Mark chapter number ten, verse number thirteen. I double-checked with Brother Jack because we're going to preach about the God of the possible uh, today. And so it was one of his theme verses in his video. I checked with him, and we're, we're fine. We're good. So uh, Mark chapter 10, verse number 13 says this, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, 
Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. And he was gone forth into the way. There came one running, and kneeled to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do, that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come Take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth them again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold, now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. This evening we're going to preach about this, the God of the possible. The God of the possible. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here uh, with uh, this church, and uh, thank you for uh, the time that we were here. Thank you for the investment that was put into our lives, and uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for uh, this opportunity to preach and to uh, begin the missions conference, and Lord, I ask you to help us as, uh, as, we, as we try to seek what you'd have for us as, as you speak to the hearts of, the, of this church about what to do for worldwide missions and, 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 and home missions as well. And uh, Lord, we're so grateful that you uh, have the ability and the power to do uh, whatever you want, that you are the God of the possible. And uh, Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You see often this phrase thrown around, that's impossible, right? Usually, and the, the ironic part about it is that usually that phrase comes after something that was just accomplished, right. showing that it's indeed possible. Uh, but uh, whatever the case is, sports stats that seem to have been uh, held for years and years and years, thinking about even uh, LeBron James just, uh, just a few weeks ago breaking the all-time scoring record, something that was held for, for a very long time. And, uh, and so, you know, up until this point, we thought, well, wow, that's impossible to break that record. Uh, but here we are. It's possible. Uh, and so, and we see this in many areas, right? We see different feats uh, that seem to be so difficult that people, people claim it to be impossible, uh, and yet they are accomplished. And there are some things that are still, uh, in our minds, impossible, aren't there? But we could, no matter the stats of the all-time scoring record, for example, there's always going to be something that's greater than that number. Uh, and so there's always something to beat, and, and there's impossible things in this world and, and we find that, the, that from man's point of view, that is certainly the case. That there are always impossible things. That, that there are always impossible things. Whether it's for, uh, in, in a physical way, in a spiritual way, there are always impossible things. But with God, there is nothing that's impossible. Because He has all power. And He has all wisdom. And He's everywhere. And so with him, all things are possible. And we'll see this tonight, that, that specifically in the case of, of, of salvation, that there's nothing that is impossible with God. Not a single thing. 
And so uh, as we enter into our text here in chapter number uh, 10 of Mark, we find in verse number 13 uh, familiar stories even all the way through verse number 31. So it may not be anything groundbreaking tonight, but I hope that you'll stick with me. Verse number 13, we find that that, uh, some people have brought some children to Jesus, and and, uh, and, and obviously this is a great thing, and they didn't have this song back then, but but we understand that uh, Jesus loves the little children. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in His sight. And uh, they didn't have that in Hebrew, I don't think, uh, but it was still true nonetheless. Uh, Jesus loves all of them. And we find that people have brought their children to Jesus, um, expecting Him to, uh, to bless them, to the, uh, some sort of dedication where they wanted to uh, try to dedicate them. Maybe they thought that Jesus would be able to be their rabbi as their children grew up. And so they, they, they thought, well, let's bring our children to this person who, who may be able to train them, that He would bless them, and we could dedicate our children to Him. And, and so they bring their children, and, and the disciples are uh, in the midst of many things, and, and you understand the disciples are very protective of Jesus, and they think, hold, hold, the, hold, hold everything, uh, these children are getting in the way, because Jesus has a lot of important things to do, uh, we, He's healing people, uh, He's giving us teachings that are so important, He's revolutionizing our world, and so we can't have this, these little children coming up and bothering our rabbi, our master, the one who is so busy with these important things. We, we can't let this happen. And they, they rebuke those that brought them. Why would you think to bring your kids to Jesus? And we, as we have understanding, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. We understand the disciples. What are you thinking, right? What are you thinking rebuking those that are bringing their children to Jesus? But they, they rebuke them that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, obviously, we, under, we understand his reaction he was much displeased because his priority was with these young ones. That was his priority. Sure, he was saving. Sure, he was healing. Sure, he was raising up the dead. But, but he was here to suffer the little. He, he was there to see the children come to him. And he used it often as he did as an illustration. He said, suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. And here's the lesson. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not, uh, unless, he enter, uh, unless he shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter in. Unless you get it like these little kids do, it, it's not going to work for you. You see, disciples, you can, you can be all about the healings and you can be all about the teachings, uh, but there are people here who desire to hear from me, and if they don't listen to me the same way that these children do, they're not going to get it. They won't get it. And we understand that as a child, that the faith that they have to just receive something, right? You hand a, you hand a, a child a piece of candy, they're going to take it and run, right? No questions asked. It doesn't matter who gave it to them, right? It's dangerous sometimes, right? But they, they don't question it. They're just going to take it. They're just going to receive it by faith that whoever gave it to them is giving them something good. Because otherwise, why would they give it to them, right? And so Jesus says, receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Just receive it. It's open to all, uh, and it's free to receive. And unless you receive it like a little child, you're not going to enter in. If you receive it, or if you reject it, if you receive it with with hesitation in some ways, if you receive not the the kingdom of God as a little child, you won't enter in. And so he took them up in his arms. He takes, Jesus takes these children and he puts his hand upon them and he blesses them. He blesses them. Just like the disciples tried to run them away from doing. He says, I'm going to bless them. And we find then in verse number 17, a contrasting example. We have these children that come to him, that are brought to him. and They, they, they are open-armed toward Jesus and they want to receive from Jesus but then we find a rich young ruler, as he's called in one of the other Gospels in verse number 17. We, we find one that, that came running to him. I, I imagine he probably was with Jesus in this conversation. Suffer the little children to come to me. And this, this rich young ruler, thinking to himself, well, if these children can have him, what must, how can I get him? And so they, he runs after Jesus as he goes away. And he's, he comes and he kneels at Jesus' feet and says, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now there's two things about this. Number one, he went to the right person. 
He went to the right person. If there was ever a question that you had about eternal life, Jesus is the one you want to go to. Because he's the way and the truth and the life. He's the only one that can offer it. And so while he did go to the right person, though, he asked the wrong question. Because he said this, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What actions can I take to ensure that I can be there when the kingdom comes? What, what can I do to make sure that I have salvation, that I can be blessed, that I can receive this kingdom of heaven? What can I do? And so Jesus goes along with it here in the next verse, verse number 18. And before he gets to this question of, of the actions, he says this, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. He's, he's questioning the motives. Why would you come to me specifically? He wants him to think. Why would you come to me specifically for eternal life? Why would you call me righteous? Do you really believe that? That's that's the questioning that Jesus is trying to get him. He's trying to question, uh, what, what does this young man mean? And so why callest thou me good? There is one good. There's one righteous, and that is God. Because no one else is. Right? There is none righteous, no, not one, except for God, the Father. There's no man that is righteous. And so Jesus then says, Thou knowest the commandments, and, and most every Jewish person would know the commandments. And, and most of them would know most of the commandments. I don't mean just the ten, ten main ones that we remember, uh, but all 613. Most Jewish people would know all of them. And so Jesus here just mentions a few. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do, uh, uh, defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. And uh, isn't it interesting, verse number 20, that he has a similar reaction to most people that we're a lot better off in our eyes than we, than, than, than we really are. We think we're a lot better than our heart really is. He says, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. I'm good. I've never committed adultery. I've never killed. I've never stolen. I've never lied. I've never defrauded. I've, I've always honored my father and my mother. Can I clue you in on this? That certainly is not the case. <laughs> He's tricked himself. He's deceived himself, hasn't he? Uh, and we even understand this, that even if he had not committed adultery, that Jesus raised that standard in the Sermon on the Mount, didn't he? He said, you may not have committed adultery, but those who have looked at a woman and lusted after her have committed adultery already in their heart. And those who have not, you may not have physically murdered somebody, but if you have harbored hatred and bitterness in your heart, uh, then it is as if you had murdered them. And so Jesus raised the standard, but he, he just asks it plainly here. And he says, Master, uh, I, I've, I have done all these things. I, I've done all these things of, uh, of, of loving my neighbor, if we could say it that way. Because these are all, all neighborly commandments that Jesus gave to him, that Jesus asked him about. But Jesus asked him about the God commandments, the first four. He wraps them all into one here where he says, verse number 21, uh, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. He wasn't suggesting to, to uh, literally sell his, his, his possessions and to, and to take all that money, uh, but what he was getting at here is this. Uh, are you trusting in me, or are you trusting in your riches? Is your sufficiency in the money that you have in your pocket, or is your sufficiency in me? Are you expecting to buy your way into the kingdom, or is it because you've just simply come to me? That's, that's what he asks him here. Now, he asks him a certain way, verse number 21 at the beginning, beholding him, he loved him. Now, certainly when we see people about, and we see the lives that they live, isn't it pretty easy to get annoyed Man, I can't believe that person would cut me off in traffic in California. <laughs> can't believe it. Well, you can believe it. <laughs> you can just about count on it. 100%. They're going to cut you off. That's just how they are. That's how most people are, though. Most people do whatever they want, and it's annoying. I can't believe this person's taking so long at the bank. I can't believe this person is doing this or doing that. And beholding the people, beholding the multitudes, it's so easy for our initial reaction to not be love because we're fallen. But Jesus, when he saw this rich young man who claimed to be much better than he was, who claimed to obey all of these commandments, who, who, who said that he was a good master, though he had no real relationship with him, Jesus' initial reaction, and his reaction that he always has, is that he beheld him and he loved him. This is not the only time. 
it's often in the Gospels where Jesus beheld the multitudes. He looked on them and He had compassion. He looked on them. Often this, is, this, this idea is repeated. That His initial and His natural and His only reaction to people who did not, re, to, who did not accept Him but rejected Him was love. Even down to Judas. The one who claimed to follow Him. The one who pledged his life to Jesus. The one who walked with him for three and a half years. The one who would have performed miracles with Jesus' authority. The one who was in control of the bag. And yet Judas betrayed him, but Jesus loved him. He loved him. And he says, one thing thou lackest to this rich young ruler. One thing. It's not another commandment. It's not another possession that you have to sell. What is this? Who are you trusting in? Because probably if you have a lot of riches, you're probably trusting in yourself. Because it's pretty easy to do that. Most hardworking people have done it themselves. I've built this company. I've saved this amount of money. I've invested in this correct uh, portfolio. I've made the money that I have. And it's easy when you have a large wallet to say, I've done this myself. To trust in yourself and that bleeds into many other areas. And it certainly was the case of this man. Because verse number 22, he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved for he had many possessions. He had great possessions. As is the case, his disciples, Jesus' disciples questioned him. Because often they lacked understanding. Verse number 23, Jesus looked round about and saith to his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Why would his disciples be astonished at this? Had they not been listening to Jesus' words? We're nearing the end of Jesus' ministry, so uh, about two and a half to, to almost three years, the disciples have been hearing messages like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever believeth in Him. The disciples have been hearing this. That whoever whoever would come to Jesus from whatever kind of social background, or whatever kind of uh, of gender background, or financial background, uh, whatever the case is, whoever came to Jesus, Jesus accepted them. Now, He didn't accept their sin, but He welcomed them with open arms. And he healed them, and he gave them eternal life, and he did those things. And so, for the disciples to look at this one example and say, How could this man? They were astonished that Jesus would say, How hard is it for this person to enter into the kingdom of God? Well, typically, Jewish people thought that rich people would get to heaven because they had a lot of money. That was a typical thought that they had. And so, if this rich person can't get into heaven, How could we poor disciples get into heaven? How could these children who have nothing get into heaven? How can anyone get into heaven who is of normal status? How can they? Because it's pretty hard for rich people. Jesus says here, he gives us an example, verse number 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Are you picturing that in your mind? A camel way taller than me? Right? Entering into the eye of a needle? That's a pretty difficult task, to say the least. It's impossible, some might say. It's impossible for a camel to go into the eye of a needle. And they were astonished out of measure. I love that one. Their minds were blown. Right? That emoji with the explosion coming out? Enter it right there. No, I'm just kidding. Don't add to the scriptures. Amen? Verse number 26, they were astonished out of measure. Their minds were blown. They couldn't believe these words. How could Jesus be saying this? That a rich person cannot go in. Who then can be saved? Verse number 26. If this, if this person who seems so righteous, who has kept many of the good commandments, and who claims to have a lot of possessions, and is counted as a ruler by some, so he had some level of, uh, of social, uh, social authority, social power, if this person who is elevated in our minds cannot get to heaven, then who can? Verse number 27, Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible. By themselves... Children can't get into heaven. 
By themselves, rich people cannot get into heaven. By themselves, poor people cannot get into heaven. By themselves, Japanese people cannot get into heaven. By themselves, Cambodian people cannot get into heaven. By, by themselves, Californians cannot get into heaven. With men, it is impossible. With, with men, people from Shawnee cannot get into heaven. People from Johnson County cannot get into heaven by themselves. With, God, it, with men, it is impossible. But not with God. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible. With God, a Samaritan woman who was, caught, who was in adultery and had been divorced five times can enter into the kingdom of heaven. With God, a tax collector who had ripped off the Jews and had betrayed them and had given his life to the Romans can enter into the kingdom of God. Because with God, all things are possible. That no matter the social background, no matter the financial background, no matter the cultural background, that whoever comes to Jesus Christ as a little kid, receiving with faith the, eternal gift, of, uh, the, the gift of eternal life, if they come as a child, with God it is possible. With God, is, with God it is possible. Peter asks, verse number 28, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. He's still stuck. He's still stuck back in verse number 21, where Jesus said, Go sell whatever you have and, and take up your cross and follow me. He's still stuck back there. We've left all and we have followed thee. And Jesus here, he reverses all of our human judgments. Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands. He's not leaving anything out. Anything. There's not anyone that has left everything for my sake and the Gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Notice what he receives. Much of what he left behind. Houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands. The things that you've left behind, I will repay. It might not look the same, it might not come the same time. It might not come in the same way. But it will be repaid 100-fold. Notice what comes along with it, though, in this life. Persecutions. There's going to be reward. There's, there is payback. But it's not going to be as easy as you think. Persecutions will come. But many that are last, as we finish here, verse number 31, but many that are first shall be last in the last first. It may not make sense that a rich person will be denied for trusting themselves, but a little child will be accepted. It may not make sense, but that's what Jesus does. He flips the tables. He turns around our human judgment, where those who seem to be most deserving are not deserving at all. Those who seem to be so righteous by fulfilling all the commandments and having much possessions, those who seem to be in, uh, in the perfect candidate for the kingdom of heaven, those will be last. But those who are last in this earth, the ones who have forsaken all, the children who have nothing to offer, those will be first. And the first shall be last. And so I want to ask you tonight, verse number 27, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. I want to ask you tonight, is worldwide missions possible? Is home missions possible? Is evangelizing Shawnee, Kansas possible? Is evangelizing Johnson County possible? Lansing, Tonganoxie, Olathe, Overland Park, uh, uh, Lenexa. Is, is evangelizing those areas possible? Is evangelizing Japan possible? Cambodia, California, the other places that this church supports, is it possible? Not by ourselves. Not by ourselves. Because by myself, I can't do anything in California. And I, and I feel that. I, I can't do anything in California by myself. I, I have my family with me. That's not what I'm talking about. In my own power, California will be worse off than before I got there. In my own power, Cambodia will be more lost in, in Brother Joel's power, Cambodia will not be helped by himself. Japan, the same way. Shawnee cannot be helped in your own power. 
But with God, all things are possible. By, by ourselves, we're, we're, we're trying to evangelize California. As soon as we get back, we're going to make a huge push for our Easter service, something we're, that we're praying about. We're wanting Easter uh, Resurrection Sunday to be a big Sunday for us. And so uh, we're trying to, we just uh, are starting to order uh, 10,000 tracks that we're going to pass out before Easter for our church of 21 people. That's not possible by ourselves. It does not make sense mathematically for ourselves. But with God, all things are possible. It, it doesn't make sense to go to a country, earthly speaking, where there's almost no way to talk to people about the gospel. It, it doesn't make sense to do that in our own power. But with God, all things are possible. With God, the land of the rising sun might see a, might see a revival. Well, it might see a revival. Yeah? <laughs> right? Cambodia might be one to the Lord. Not because of Brother Joel, not because of our, your financial contributions, but because it's all about Him. He is the one. Without Him, we can do nothing. But with God, all things are possible. Worldwide missions is possible. Evangelization of California is possible. The winning of souls in Shawnee is possible. But it has to be done in His power. You can't rely on yourself. It, it doesn't work that way. And so I want to encourage you tonight, as we start the missions conference, that you would not trust in yourself, because it's easy to look at your checkbook and say, okay, we can, this is how much we can do. It's easier to look at your schedule and say, okay, this is how much time we can have to go out and tell people about the gospel. It's easy to do those things, but with God, impossible things are possible. So trust Him. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this evening, and Father, I ask that these that are here tonight might have heard a better message than I preached. Uh, Father, I ask that you would help us to understand that it's in your power and your power alone whereby missions is possible. Lord, we love you and we thank you that we have a reason to go, that we have the ability to go. I ask you to speak to our hearts this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand to our feet this evening, Brother Charlie is about to sing Jesus Paid It All, song number three. As we begin... Have you already been thinking about what you will do for missions financially? Have you already been thinking about what you'll do for local evangelization? I hope that you have already started, but if you haven't, today's a good day to start thinking about it. And so whatever God's speaking to your heart about, maybe you come to an altar, pray where you are in your seat. As Brother Charlie number sings, do business with God. Jesus paid it all, all.
Well, it's been good to be in the Lord's house tonight. And uh, we're out at a good time, you know, 8 o'clock is a good time. I tell you what, why don't we just have dessert? Eh, that's good. It's, uh, we got fed spiritually. We're going to have a little dessert time. I believe it's the Spanish room, the Mexican. Nope, nope, nope. It's the European room. Asian and European. No? Okay. All right. So we will have a word of prayer. You want to head down the hallway um, and uh, get you a little dessert. And uh, I'm going to have the missionary couples go ahead and make their way to the back. Uh, the Parkers and the Scuffums have a table. And Brother Chuck, you can just hang out where we used to hang out and shake hands with people. And uh, you can uh, get by, shake their hands, let them know you're praying for them. It's uh, good to have uh, these couples. I think they'll impact our lives for the cause of Christ this week. And so uh, really looking forward uh, to our time together at the Missions Conference. Going to ask Brother Matt Potts if he would dismiss us in a word prayer tonight. Thank you.